Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, room and think. I'm Andrew Davidson, Chief Insights Officer for Compare Media, based in New York. And today, we're going to discuss the upcoming holiday shopping season and how it will play out in two markets, the United States and the United Kingdom. Consumers in both countries are spending again, but supply chain issues threaten to put a damper on the recovery, and the Delta variant is never too far from people's minds. Here to break it down for us, I have Mintel's leading retail experts, Diana Smith in Chicago and Nick Carroll in London. Welcome back to the pod. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right, so please introduce yourselves. Hello, I'm Diana Smith, and I am the Associate Director of Retail and E-Commerce here at Mintel. I've been at the company for a little over seven years and been covering the happenings of the industry for much longer than I care to share this morning. So a while. There's always something going on. Hi, and I'm uh, Nick Carroll. I'm Associate Director of uh, Retail and E-Commerce Research here in the UK, and I've been with Mintel for eight years now. Great. Well, welcome and welcome back. It's great to have your frequent guests on the pod. So welcome back. All right. So let's set the stage by recapping what happened last year and then outlining how the environment is different this year. So what's different this year? Well, I can kick that off, Andrew. So there were three main dynamics that impacted the holiday season in 2020, obviously COVID, and then the recession that came out of that. And then on top of that, we had a U.S. presidential election. So never before have those three factors been at play at once during the holiday season. And a little, a little surprisingly to me anyway, the sales actually were at record level last year. So they increased, sales increased 6% um, in 2020. And that was really driven by consumers having some hope around the prospect of the vaccine coming and then also some additional stimulus money. So that kind of rounded out that last year's last year's season. So fast forward to now and a year later, and um, we are in a much better environment, I would say overall from a pandemic perspective um, that could be argued, of course, based on what's going on right now. And um, the economy is definitely starting to come back and consumers are feeling kind of cautiously optimistic. So um, it does depend on um, a family's household income and and their financial situations, but we're in a better place this year. But the retail industry is still facing a number of different challenges, many of which I know that we're going to be talking about today, um, namely supply chain issues and inflation. So just a couple of differences between the two years, but we should still see a positive year for sales in the coming months. Yeah. And to give the sort of Euro perspective on that, it was very similar. We obviously didn't have a presidential election, but um, we obviously kept our eyes on that. Um, but the, I think that those key factors around COVID uncertainty were certainly present across the markets. I think the, the difference being, particularly in the UK, but also in uh, certain other European markets, was that we had lockdowns pre-Christmas. Um, and then in the UK, because of um the arrival of a new variant for much of the UK, or I say much of the UK for, for a lot of the south of the UK, um, Christmas was essentially cancelled. It was full lockdown and not being able to see 
uh, friends, family, etc., which did put a dampener on things. But like Diana said, actually, when you look at the data, both in the UK and in Europe, it was a broadly positive Christmas, given the circumstances. I think you had around 2% growth in the UK across that period, although that demand was stretched a lot further back, which again, I'm sure we'll talk about because that's, again, relevant to this year because of that uncertainty and potential for earlier purchasing. Yeah, so I mean, Diana, you mentioned that that the issue of supply chain. Obviously, clearly, it's the issue on most retailers' minds this season. You know, we see obviously images of cargo ships out off the coast of Southern California. We hear news about petrol shortages in the UK. You know, what what's happening with supply chain? So that really is the big topic right now, and what everybody is keeping their eye on. Basically, what's happening is. As the economy is recovering, there's obviously a growing demand for a number of consumer goods across categories and the parts and materials and and the other inputs, you know, that manufacturers use. And that is causing many of these items that are imported um, to in the ports to get backed up. So it's really resulting in much slower delivery times and then higher prices as well. And then once the the ships are in into the port, there are some labor shortages too. So in some cases there's there's not even enough people to really unload the containers in a swift way. So that's just leading to more um, shortages. Um, I think the best ex- example that I read recently was it's kind of like trying to get an Uber or a Lyft, you know, like after a big game, like you have to wait um, for the, you have to wait to get it because there are a lot of crowds. Uh, there's going to be surge pricing and then you're stuck in traffic for a while and you still have to maybe pay extra um, to get where you're going if it takes longer. So that's basically what's going on in the retail industry as well. So it's just, um, it's, it's getting better. Um, we had supply chain issues as well at the beginning of the pandemic, um, but we're still playing catch up at this point, and it's going to last, I think, longer than the than the holiday season. And it, it was the situation over in the, in the UK. I I mistakenly referred to petrol shortages, but of course it's uh, truck driver shortages we're talking about in the UK. Well, yes, one leads to the other um, often, so then it becomes the petrol shortage. But no, it, yeah, in, in the UK and Europe, it's all of the key sort of uh, macro global factors that Diana outlined, the, the sort of the sort of reaction to the increased demand and the rapid spike in demand that we saw last year, a lot of that is lagging through. So, you know, a lot of, say, China's manufacturing is... Uh, has had to ramp up quickly and use more than potentially it normally would and that's leading to this lag now which is you know causing uh, the sort of chip shortages the manufacturing which then has the lagging effect of getting to us we in, in the UK have the added complication of um, significantly rising inflation due to blockages at the ports because being an island nation, it's harder to get goods in. Um, there's, as you mentioned, staff shortages due to, um, in part, uh, the Brexit um, agreement and the, the removal from ourselves from the European Union, um, which has been you know, exacerbated by the COVID crisis because maybe uh, some truck drivers don't want to come over because we have high rates. So all of that is, you know, 
feeding in, but it's not just the UK. I saw Germany last month hit a record, you know, I think the highest inflation rate in decades for, for over 4%. So the, the, these factors, as I say, are global and that they're impacting all these elements. And it does leave significant concern for the um, for the winter, particularly because those sort of issues that cause the manufacturing problems, you know, the lack of electricity and gas, uh, are also feeding through to consumers. So our latest COVID tracker shows that, you know, nearly uh, 40% of consumers in the UK, so they've noticed a, an increase in their electricity or gas prices in the last two months and that's actually led to many firms failing in the UK and that particularly for the lower income um, consumer which has also been worse affected by job losses during the pandemic or loss of income will mean a tighter Christmas. Yeah I mean you think of inflation so often as a an economic metric but it's now starting to become a reality in a lot of people's lives in groceries and taxi fares and car rental prices, whatever it might be. All right, so in the US, retailers have been ramping up their marketing as early as mid-September. I feel like every year we're talking about how, you know, holiday season is getting earlier and earlier. But you know, how much of, is this sort of advanced marketing activity based on this sort of whole fear of the, the supply chain concerns? I mean, is it, it taking sort of a cynical approach? Is it just a way of sort of tapping into consumers' anxiety? Or is there a real need to get these messages out there early on? Yeah, I saw my first picture of Chris, the Christmas tree selection at Costco yesterday. So retailers are definitely nice. out and about. Um, certainly Amazon is already out there as we are now uh, approaching mid-October. So that's a good question, Andrew. Um, I think I would answer it, uh, you know, in a, maybe a cynical way as well. And I think I think the answer is both. I think um, there's a couple of dynamics at play. Um, so first of all, the reality of the supply chain concerns is, I don't know, in my opinion, I mean, interested to hear what Nick thinks, but in my opinion, I think that's that might be a little bit more of a concern for retailers than it is for consumers at this point. I just feel like, consumers know that it's going on and um, it is causing some some anxiety about shortages and what that's going to mean for consumers is that it's just going to drive earlier earlier shopping because they want to make sure they can get what they want in time but they were also concerned about that last year um, and that's what we saw last year as well. So they would shop, they were shopping online more. They were worried about not getting their online packages in time and delays with that. And there were supply chain issues last year as well. So what happens is if consumers can't find what they are looking for, what they want, then they'll go buy something else. Um, so I think, you know, retailers are just wanting to kind of get a jump on sales mostly because Honestly, I think they're still trying to make up for the shortfall that they saw last year. Um, and many are probably concerned about the impact of some of the factors that I mentioned before with um, Delta increasing right now, um, the inflation and the supply chain. I think they're concerned about how that might impact the sales momentum that we really were seeing kind of heading into the summer and, and into the mid middle of the summer. 
So I think that's all driving up. So they're, they're, they're projecting some of that anxiety on the consumer. I think so. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, was, I saw there was an article I was just, I saw the other day in the headlines. You know, don't wait. Don't wait till Black Friday. You know, <laughs> get ahead of the that's game. Right. I think, I think there's a right to be potentially cynical about it, but equally, you know, it's a long, furrowed retail um, strategy, you know, buy now before it's gone is, you know, probably older than myself so you know we we know how to uh we know how retailers will factor into that but actually i think from a branding point of view from retailers there's real need and concern to highlight that there could be issues closer to christmas because we know that while consumers are shopping earlier and last year a record number in the uk and our data 25 percent had started their christmas shopping in or before september and while that has been becoming earlier, November and December are still the key months in terms of starting and when consumers spend the most. So if a consumer starts then and finds a product out of stock at a particular retailer, and particularly smaller retailers, which don't have the supply chain capabilities of the largest players, then they're going to feel negative towards that brand. And this is something we saw in the first stage of the pandemic, the first lockdown. And our research also shows us that a third of consumers that shop online for groceries say that them not being able to shop with those retailers or having products out of stock has given them a negative opinion of those brands. So there is, you know, a long-term issue that retailers have to counteract. So obviously there's the cynical aspect, get the money in early uh, and get the money when it's at full price, not discounted in Black Friday. Mm -hmm. But there's also a longer-term branding necessity of pushing consumers towards that element. So I think those two things are clearly in play. And I think, Diana, you, you mentioned, you know, whether consumers are aware of this. I think they certainly are in terms of the UK because it is very much taken over our news cycle at present. Um, and again, that, that the, our latest COVID tracker, which came back, it finished in field, um, uh, finished being collected uh, two days ago, shows that a third of people have said that they've noticed stock shortages in shops. So it's very much of the awareness. Whether they then make that connection to in in a month, in two months, when I need to buy Christmas, that will still be the case is kind of the, the debate that retailers are trying to get them to be aware of. Just to add on to that, that was interesting about your grocery research because we have some as well in the U.S. where we tried to probe that that issue as and ask consumers, well, what do you do if, if the brand that you want is not available or is out of stock? And... And so grocery obviously is, is kind of a different category versus, say, in a specific gaming console mm. or something <laughs> that you really want. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of options, but the consumers said that they will just, they'll buy another brand mm. um, or they will try, they'll trade to a private label brand and try something new. Um, but they also said that they would like the retailer to make a suggestion for an alternative brand. So I think that's an opportunity looking ahead to the season. If retailers know that they are going to have some challenges to try to get ahead of that and be proactive and use data to understand what the consumer might be interested in as an alternative. That's an interesting strategy and could build up some, some brand trust. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, so you, uh, you both alluded to, um, 
labor shortages and we've seen you know some retailers announcing that they're increasing hiring ahead of the the season uh, maybe sometimes implementing bonuses i saw the other day that walmart said it's going to hire 150,000 workers just for the for the holiday season um given that we've already seen retailers struggling to hire back and we have these hiring shortages now how effective do you think these strategies will be and 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 what happens if they can't find the staff here is an area where I feel a little bit more optimistic about some of these strategies that retailers are employing in this regard. You know, my, my point of view on this is I think, I think that it could work. Um, I don't see really a downside. Um, if they're having staffing challenges, then I, I think one, a natural approach is to offer, offer more incentives and to try to get people in. I think that makes sense. Um, it really comes back down to what people are motivated by. So if there if there is a benefit for them, um, so if they if they understand that they're they're going to have an opportunity to make more money than perhaps they were making from say if they were on unemployment or from a stimulus check, if there's an opportunity to increase their income, that will certainly be a benefit. However, if if they're fearful about working in retail environments right now because of COVID fears and being around crowds and perhaps not wanting to wear a mask or something like that, I don't know if these incentives will change their mind because that's a different reason. Um, But I think what we're seeing, though, is reflective of the seriousness of the issue of the staffing shortages with retailers kind of going to these next level efforts to, to bring people in. But I think what's important to, to come back to from a consumer's perspective is that consumers are paying attention to the way that companies are treating their employees. And they'll actually, it's a factor when they think about where they want to shop. They want to reward companies that take good care of their employees. So it could have an overall positive halo effect as well. I think it is looking like it could be a bit of a a hurricane of different factors that could hit the retail sector this November, December, the usual time that festive workers would come in, you know, in a similar Walmart, not to the same scale of Walmart, because that would be a significant proportion of the UK population. But in terms (laughs) of the, uh, in terms of the the general hiring, I think, you know, I think last year, Royal Mail took on 20,000 extra workers to, you know, get through the online deliveries type of thing. So that type of behavior is normal. The issue in the UK at the moment is we have a record employment rate. Um, so I think it's hit a 20 year high. So the number of vacancies already before you add in the additional seasonal work is a record high because of migration change, the sort of reopening of the uh, economy uh, following the sort of ending of restrictions in July. So actually the main op be as big a pool for retailers to take on there. And going back to our earlier point about encouraging shoppers to go earlier, again, doing that takes the stress off uh, online logistics and in-store fulfillment because you need those staff to be out there to serve customers, but you also need those staff to fill shelves. And when we get a spike in demand, their job skews much more into the filling shelves element of it, and then service can fall down that element. So I, I think, you know, the retail sector in the UK and in Europe is, you know, modernized, highly advanced. And I think they'll get through well, but it's going to take a bit more planning than it potentially usually would to navigate through this season. It certainly seems like a, 
a, a complex uh, set of circumstances uh, for which retailers need to to navigate this year. Um, perhaps more complex than than other other holiday shopping seasons or in the past. So, how do you think things will play out? What are your predictions for the holiday season? Let me, let me see if I can press you on your predictions as to what you think will happen this year. Um, first of all, I think that we're going to see another year of record e-commerce growth. So that was already trending. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing that pretty consistently for the past few years, even before COVID-19 hit us. And I think this is going to continue to happen this year, despite consumers returning back to stores, you know, for the most part. Um, So just to be clear, when I say that sales overall will be primarily, will primarily occur in the store. So that's just usually what we're seeing, you know, across categories. However, um, e-commerce just continues to grow, especially in light of COVID. So we're just going to see additional growth. Last year, I think we saw um, Cyber Monday surpass the $10 billion mark for the Ooh. first time. So I think we'll be able to, to see another jump again um, this year. And I think it's realistic to expect that e-commerce will comprise close to 20% of the holiday sales personal prediction, I guess. One one factor I think I'll mention is that as we know, the booster shots for the vaccine are, are now coming out and going to be available. And it's going to impact uh, probably the majority of people uh, during the holiday time frame. So they'll be coming up on their eight months around that time frame. And so if they are nervous or anxious about kind of being at the end of their cycle of the first vaccine that could that could keep some consumers inside more and online more. So I think that could affect um, a little bit of the e-commerce. So that's one thought. So Amazon.com, Walmart.com, Target.com all continue to win again this year. Yes. And I think that's that's a fair assumption that will happen again. <laughs> They're already out there with their six. So I'm going to take a slightly different view from the UK and Europe perspective. Um, I don't disagree that online will be huge once more and um i think it will be bigger than 2019 but i think it will be in decline relative to 2020 um in the uk uh, certainly i think if you look at the the stats for q4 2020 that was the first time in history that online took the majority of non-food sales in the uk so it's a little over 51 percent, which is an extraordinary number and you know if you ask me about that 10 years ago i say that's the death of the high street obviously mm. that's in extraordinary circumstances with multiple lockdowns etc so i think there's going to be a real willingness in the uk and in europe to touch all the woods that there isn't a worsening of the covid situation to have a more normal christmas and within that i think get back to physical stores get back to the high street um and i think all stakeholders involved in physical retail will need to encourage that i think you know things like pop-up markets christmas markets you know those types of things will need to be back in force i think you know businesses will be back in the office, Christmas parties may be a thing again. All of these elements add into that additional purchasing that we see during that period. 
I think there are challenges in that area. In the UK, we've lost Arcadia, so Topshop and associated brands. Debenhams, one of our leading department stores, all over the last 18 months. And a lot of those units are sitting empty. And a lot of those units would have been flagship anchor stores. Empty stores on the high street at Christmas is not what you want. I think there needs to be more flexibility in terms of uh, allowing short-term rents, using that space to help the wider high street through the period. Um, but I am cautiously optimistic that store-based sales, if all factors <laughs> remain as they are, will recover this year. So I think, you know, you know, I think you mentioned 100 and something billion in Cyber Monday last year. I think that's essentially the size of our entire... Okay, it's a 10 billion. Okay, that's fine. I was about to say, that's fine. <laughs> that's, uh, that's only a tenth of our <laughs> entire year's online sales, so that's fine. Um, but, it, you know, I think Black, Mon- uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday in the UK will be big again, but I think store-based will do well. And within that, I think there will be a shift towards independent and local businesses because they've hurt more than mm. the bigger chains during the pandemic. So those gaps in the high street, they then provide opportunities then for other companies to, to, to come in? In theory, they should do. If all stakeholders involved, from local authorities to landlords, are willing to allow that space to be used in a short-term way, there are many, we could do a whole podcast on that, but there are, uh, there are there are barriers for that to happen. Um, but it does happen, and the, there are you know some more willing to adopt that idea than others. I wanted to just uh, tack on to Nick your your prediction about in store, and I'm just curious to understand what you're seeing in the UK from an experiential retailing perspective. We are starting to see that comeback, at least it was. Um, retailers certainly want to offer it. But, um, in, you know, in the U.S., I think it will be a little bit muted this holiday season, but it's going to start to come back with some restrictions in place as far as crowd control, COVID restrictions, and consumers are willing to adhere to those restrictions, but they want the experiences back. Are, are you seeing that same thing? Yeah. So after July, we basically took the handbrake off in terms of restrictions. It's been back to normal uh, in a in the sense of early in the pandemic. Say uh, this isn't experiential retail, but it is a key USB of stores. But things like changing rooms were closed, beauty testers were removed. All of those elements that actually going in and interacting with physical products have gone away they've come back and that's great and actually we've seen a strong recovery in health and beauty in store and fashion over the summer in store which is really encouraging because that's been the category that's really lagged during the pandemic um but we are seeing more and more of the more experiential players like selfridges etc hosting more in-store events than uh, in the same way they would have done prior to the pandemic now that say um there's not the queues outside the stores to get in anymore. That sort of access has been removed. Um, whether people are comfortable doing that is a different question. There's still a lot of people that are uncertain about going into store. But um, as someone who, both for my job and because I like it, goes in store quite a bit, I've noticed we're getting back to normal and there's a lot of people willing to be in store and spend that time in store. That's encouraging, yeah. My gosh, I can't, I can't imagine that we're going to have the really long lines you know, outside the store anymore for Black Friday. But maybe <laughs> oh I'll be wrong. I hope, I hope not. I, it's, it's interesting <laughs> though, it's like you hear and listening to you talk about 
that sort of physical in-store experience. I was in, um, when I was on vacation, I had the opportunity to visit a shopping mall, um, a sort of a, a premium shopping mall, but it was, it was fascinating because there was Tesla was in there, you know, Amazon one had a store. Obviously there was the Apple store. So you talk about that experiential uh, element, but it was almost sort of fascinating walking around seeing all of these different concepts, you know, come to life in the, in the mall environment. So, um, obviously that's not, not every mall is going to be like that, but, uh, so that was pretty interesting. Um, all right. Any other predictions? I just want to go back to something I alluded to before about the supply chain. And I know it's definitely a major factor that's impacting the season right now. Um, but here's another place where I'm going to take a more optimistic viewpoint. And I'm going to say, I don't think it's going to be that detrimental to the season. I think sales are still going to be up. I think that, as I mentioned before, if consumers can't find what they want, then they're going they're going to buy something else. There's always something that you can gift. But I think the underlying prediction I would have here in terms of the impact it could have is that I think we are going to see, or these, at least there's an opportunity to see some different types of gifting because of that potential shortage so we could see more um like homemade gifts diy gifts that's a trend that we were seeing last year i i do think it's going to drive up gift card sales um which would make sense gift cards are usually a top item that's purchased anyway but i think we could even see the record gift card sales this year and then people might be more willing just to give cash um so those could be some alternative approaches and it could drive up experiential gifting as well. Yeah, I think uh, I'd certainly agree with that, particularly if the shortages persist. And, you know, the idea of I was going to get you this, but you might have to get it itself next year. I think is, you know, people understand that if we're in that situation. I think, as you mentioned there, the experiential side of things. Uh, I ordered your gift, but it's coming in six months. Exactly. Uh, yes. yeah. Yeah. I owe you. Yes, you might have to pick it up from France. Uh, that type of thing. But the... Um, the sort of experiential side, the thing, you know, concert tickets, um, you know, that side of the, the Christmas gifting element. I think I wrote a piece last year back in October saying, actually, this could be quite big because people have been stopped from doing this for you know the best part of a year. Obviously, the situation got far worse and that did not, uh, did not happen. But I think this year, as long as it's looking like 2022, the first half, is going to be okay. I think there may be a greater willingness to buy into those elements and actually have something in the pipeline planned for those types of experiences that consumers have missed out on. Um, I know it's been a bit more free over the summer, but still, for many, there would have been caution within there. Um, and also, you know, if you're looking at more saved up elements, there could be you know, bigger presence in the pipeline, a higher spend for a certain element of things. It's something we saw last year, a more sort of polarized nature of purchasing. You have people that have been hit hard by the pandemic trading down and those that had been able to work throughout actually spending a lot more, a lot bigger. So things like jewelry uh, purchasing within our Within our um, within our data, actually showed a slight increase, um, particularly around those sort of higher uh, net worth individuals. So, I think that polarization will certainly still be there. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So obviously by by thinking about holiday shopping, obviously we're inherently thinking about something that's near term, but thinking about supply chain issues and then the associated concerns around inflation. And I, you know, I heard um, today, you know, that, uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, the chairman of uh, Chase in the US, was saying that, you know, this time next year, we won't be talking about this. You know, we've seen this surge in consumer demand. That's what's causing it. He didn't have any sort of insider's stats on this to, to, to back it up, but his perspective was that this time next year, this won't be a thing. What's the, what's the retailer sort of perspective? Um, is this an enduring issue? I think from a UK perspective, we are worried that it is uh, because of being uh, now outside of the EU and the difficulties that have been found in terms of doing trade in that area, particularly retailers that operate both mainland UK and in Northern Ireland, there is continued concern about that relation mo- relationship moving forward and what that means. And not just what that means in terms of um, supply chain, but longer term pricing, because the farming industry in the UK replied very heavily on EU subsidies. That a replacement scheme has not necessarily been forthcoming. And it also replied, uh, relied on uh, lower cost workers that, that came in from Europe to do a lot of that work. It's now harder for them to come in. And that may mean that, you know, farmers that were already working um, at the barest of minimum, uh, barest of margin, have to add cost to their business. And that's naturally going to uh, feed through into the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the, a lot of retailers are warning that this might not just be f- for Christmas, but equally I've seen, seen the other takes, which is the more optimistic side, which it isn't. But I think the reality with anything like Brexit is that we won't know the impact for 10 to 15 years. It is going to be a stage by stage basis and mm. deal with the problems they arise. So, um, yeah, I think maybe we reconvene in 2030 and talk about what actually happened. But we, it, it might be one where we uh, are still pinning it now. Yes, yes. All right. Well, some I think some really interesting predictions there for brands, for marketers thinking about how to um, navigate this upcoming holiday shopping season. What about, uh, as we sort of wrap this up, what about from the, from the consumer? I'm someone who always leaves, I always leave my holiday shopping to the last minute. So I don't know, it doesn't, probably doesn't matter how many headlines I read telling me how I've got to do it by, you know, last month. I'll probably do the same thing. Um, uh, but clearly I need to get ahead of it. Do you have any tips for the consumer? Insider tips? <laughs> I'm just laughing because you line up with our data, Andrew, in terms of younger men um, kind of waiting to the last moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think retailers are, are making some great progress in terms of being an enabler for shoppers during the season. And I hate to always point to Amazon because they just do, they're always pointed at it. It's the leader, but they're really doing some great things. Um, and I was impressed by some of the, the tactics that they're taking this year. Um, one of my one of my personal challenges is I never know what to get for stocking stuffers. You know, it's just like, <laughs> what do I get? So they're they're offering up um, a whole assortment of products that are available under ten dollars and twenty five dollars, um, just to kind of make that a little bit easier mm. for the consumer. Um, 
They have dedicated gift guides for products that are sold by small businesses and startups. So I think that's an interesting angle and that includes several like handmade goods. Um, and so they're doing a lot of things to kind of help the consumer out this year. They're actually creating a, an Amazon holiday gift list um, that somebody can create and share with others in terms of the gift ideas for everybody that's uh, in, in the household. Um, and for Prime members, they are allowing them to use the mobile app to send recipients a gift without knowing their delivery address, uh, which is a new addition. So um, it makes it easier to, to give a gift and the consumer can accept or purchase and to accept the purchase or exchange for an Amazon gift card. So huh. another way to just kind of add um, convenience. Yeah. Interesting. So I want to check that that's, out. That's a good one. I think another thing from target is their, their price matching um, through the holiday season. So um, just keep, you know, if a consumer can keep their eye on, if they see a, a better deal for an item that they purchased, go back, try to get a credit for that and use the money for something else. Maybe oh, wow. look for themselves. You're full of good tips. <laughs> Nick, any, any uh, holiday shopping tips from you? Um, I would say check the returns policy of your retailer of choice. Uh-huh. I think that's something that caught out a lot of people last year, uh, even though a lot in the UK and Europe did extend the returns policy past the usual sort of early January cutoff. Um, just check that, just in, you know. It's not going to happen, obviously, but in case things got worse, etc., and you, you, you're left out in the cold. Um, and I would say that we know that uh, a lot of consumers will want to shop, support smaller businesses, smaller sellers on places like Etsy, not on the high street, and you know those other marketplaces. But just check the delivery times because they have been more impacted by supply chain disruption than the bigger brands. So if Amazon's still offering next day, don't assume that you, your favorite Etsy seller is also still offering next day. So maybe just be a bit prepared. You don't have to start now. Just, you know, maybe, maybe a week or two, <laughs> a week or two earlier, just check what the situation is. <laughs> Excellent. Well, some, some wise uh, advice and some great tips from our, from our retail experts. Well, thank you, Diana. Thank you, Nick. Uh, thank you everybody for listening if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate and review us if you want to know more about Mintel who we are and what we do head over to Mintel.com and follow us on social media we're on LinkedIn Instagram Twitter and Facebook and check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts thanks again bye for now 